Good morning. Um, morning. Welcome to Coffee with the Commissioner here at Flock in Middlesbrough. Um, I'm Steve Turner, I'm Cleveland's PCC, and this is episode five. So I'm here today with Nikki and Kerry from Arch. Um, good morning, welcome. Good morning, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, hello. So, we'll start, we'll start with you, Kerry. Yeah. Do you want to introduce yourself? Who are you? Oh, well, um, so I'm Kerry, um, and I am one of the sexual violence counsellors at Arch Teesside. I also manage our comms, our media and marketing, um, and I do lots of different things. As so podcasts are all hat for you then? I've, it's not my first rodeo, <laughs> I guess. Although it's the first really kind of professional looking podcast, this is great, um, being this first. But yeah, so I do a lot of other things. I've just finished a prison project, um, I manage our volunteers, lots of different projects that come up. And how long have you been at Arch? About seven years now. I did leave, and then I came back. We don't talk about that. We don't yeah. talk. It was yeah. a little blip. Yeah, it was a little blip. Yeah, I've got a comms <laughs> manager that left and came back. So she oh, did, we okay. don't talk about that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, left and, and came back, didn't I? So yeah. because that's just it's just where I want to be. Okay, and and where was home then? Where where did you grow up? Uh, Middlesbrough town centre. Um, so born and bred in Middlesbrough. And this is where I am. Okay, and what did you do before Hatch? Um, oh, that's a that's a long story. So I did I left and I did um, a drama dance um, physical theatre degree. So originally I wanted to be like a dance teacher. Uh, and then I came back, met my partner, um, had a child, started my career in counselling. And this is where I am. And now I'm tr- I am trying to merge both degrees together. So there's more kind of dance therapy based, movement based therapy. Okay. like that. So that's a work in progress. All right. So Nikki, how about you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm Nikki Harkin, uh, Chief Executive Arch Teesside. Uh, I've been there coming up 10 years next year. Uh, and I've got to say it's gone in the of an eye it's gone so fast um eight eight years in the current job and i joined um as what was called their like isba manager which i'm sure we might talk more about yeah ISBAs, but that's how i that's how i started in the organization let's get the acronym out of the way what does isva stand for it stands for independent sexual violence advisors um team of people that'll help um if somebody's thinking about or has reported to police it's a team that'll help them through that journey really yeah so ten years, and and yeah. what about yourself? What was what was life like growing up? Yeah. School, college, university. Yeah, I uh, I'm local too. Grew up um, in Lazenby, so just the bottom of the A one seven four, the top of the part, uh, the top of the Mad Mile, depending on which way you come in. Um, grew up there. Um, all my family's still there. Visit every Sunday for my Sunday dinner. But yeah, moved away, went to university. Um, Met my husband um, and and sort of lived in Stockton since then. But yeah, very okay. much local. Tell us something not many people know about you. Then. Oh wow, that's one to put me on the spot. Kerry, you're gonna have to go first on that. See, because... normally it's it's the fact that I am trained in dance. That's normally my hidden yeah. But you've thing. just shared but that. I know so, I have, so yeah. I know I have to think. Um, yeah. Oh. Um, I want you to live in Beijing in China. There yeah. you go. That's why was that something um my then partner's work took us took us there actually it was my husband so my husband's work took us there got opportunity to go and um to go and experience that culture um at that stage i didn't have children and um just thought that would be an amazing experience so So on that then in terms of a direction and and i haven't forgotten you i will ask you that question again um (laughs) What what led you into into this type of world then into this voluntary sector and yeah. domestic violence, domestic abuse? 
Yeah, so I um I always I always knew that I would end up working with people. I think originally I I, I went to university probably not really knowing what I wanted to do more for the experience that that would bring me and um, I decided I was studying law um, and quite quickly I think I think it was in a constitutional law class I decided this isn't for me <laughs> um, it, you know just far too much kind of um, far too much structure and um, I needed I think to work with people so I, I was volunteering as well at the time I used to volunteer at university for victim support so I was supporting victims of crime um, and I just was getting much more out of that than I was kind of from my studies. Uh, and I think I, le- I think I left and I originally thought I might join probation and kind of go down that um, offender track and um, thinking about the justice system and rehabilitation and, you know, um, thinking about how we could make things better from that angle. In the meantime, started doing some more volunteering. We started doing volunteering in, um, in the bail hostels um, and for victim support still. Um, and got my first kind of um, role working for a social justice organisation, which was quite a small charity in County Durham then. And I thought, yeah, this is much more where I'm where I'm going to end up. I spent a lot of my career um, working in substance misuse um, and before I left to have children and then went into community safety, I guess, from that kind of offender, young people angle. Um, and work for Middlesbrough Council, which is where um, I started working with the local services, my sister's place, Arch, um, and um, really kind of got to understand domestic abuse, sexual violence. Yeah, because um, Arch has been around a long time, hasn't it? So do you want to tell us a little bit about Arch itself? Yeah, Arch has been around for 25 years, um, started in the, in the sort of late 90s as a domestic abuse service, um, originally supporting just women and... Um, was quite a small service doing sort of peer support and then it started to develop some counselling and as time went on um, the the CEO that was there um, relayed the story to me it just became really evident that um, people were getting stuck in counselling because there were so many other things going on in their lives and they they just weren't getting past those things Um, and really they were seeing a lot of the women they were supporting struggling with police investigations, the criminal justice system. Um, and in quite an innovative way at the time, they went to the Home Office and said, please fund us, um, give us some money, and, and we think we can provide a model of support to really help these women um, and keep them engaged with the criminal justice process. Because I think a lot of the problems then were that, you know, people were dropping out and um, and, and weren't really staying the course. And so we... We at Arch really were one of the very first um, ISVA, Independent Sexual yeah. Violence Advisor, services um, in the country. Um, and, and quite quickly, I think, agencies started to see the benefit of that. Police officers would see that with support, um, women were staying engaged with the system. The women were seeing that they knew what to expect. They were more informed about their rights. Um, and so really, the service started to grow um, from, that, from that basis, really. Um, in the in the early two thousands, um, Arch, or it, it was called Women's Support Network, um, in in its original inception, um, took on board uh, a male survivors project that was around at the time called Jigsaw, um, and Jigsaw had existed as a counselling service and it was struggling financially, and um, the CEO, you know, said, look, what can we do to help? What what can we do? We we really don't want to see. Um, those men that have started to open up about their trauma 
um, not have the support they need. So Jigsaw came under the the umbrella. Um, yeah, and we re- we rebranded. Um, uh, I think of about two thousand and fourteen to Arch Northeast, uh, and then more recently. Does that stand for something, or is that? Yeah, we always get asked that, um, and and it and it doesn't particularly. It it was about it was a it was kind of that arch of now we had everybody under our arch, so we were working with men, women, yeah. um, but um, it. We, we make it up sometimes in the office, you know. It's achi- <laughs> achieving recovery with counselling and hope. There you go. Achieving but, recovery with counselling. I like that. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, what what does Arch do then, Kate? On, it, for, for people that don't know, because for me, domestic violence and domestic abuse um, is is probably the most under-discussed topic and crime um, that, that I see in, in my role. Uh, which is odd, considering it is probably the most prevalent um, crime uh, we we see here in Cleveland, but by a long, long way. So, what what does that serve? What what type of people come to Arch? Firstly, well, I think the f- first thing to mention is that as a specialist sexual violence service, on so you said there about domestic violence and domestic abuse and that umbrella, and quite often then what happens is sexual violence kind of gets yeah. Um, forgotten about and you're right you know the, the crime rates in Cleveland especially for sexual violence and rape and sexual offences is really high compared to the rest of the country and the type of people that we see are, are just everyday people who've experienced one of the most horrific things that a person can experience so we support men women and children who've experienced sexual violence at any point in their lives so whether not that's happened historically and they want them to talk about it kind of when they're older or when it, if it's happened recently and again they're seeking that support whether not that's why it is for our counselling um, often what we see is that sexual violence doesn't just impact that person. It, it's got a ripple effect. It impacts absolutely every part of everyone's lives as well, from family to work to school to college. So we support in every way that we can, really. And we always try and make sure that if we can't provide that support, we'll make sure that we find someone that, that absolutely can. Or usually in the case, they're good at finding some funding to plug a gap. So mm-hmm. if, if somebody's listening and... And they've been a, a victim um, of of sexual abuse or sexual violence. What what's that pathway? If if what what could they expect if if somebody makes takes that big big step to, to reach out and, and ask for for support or help? What does that journey look like for them then? I suppose it can look different for everybody. So it it'll really just depend where they're at in that in that mm-hmm. stage. So. What we find is that um, disclosure can often take place years later. Mm. It's often um, maybe something's happened, maybe there's been a life-changing event, maybe you've got a child now that's the age that you were abused, or maybe the perpetrator um, has passed away, or maybe you're not worried about upsetting a family member anymore. Um, so so it's quite unique to everybody um, in terms of like when that disclosure will happen and what it might look like for them. Um, but um, the main the main routes that people will tend to get to us is, you know, quite a lot of, of the referrals that come to us will be from from the police. So often people think, yeah, that crime's happened to me. I want to tell yeah. somebody about that. Whether that's that I want to get justice and I want to see that person in prison or not, um, I think a lot of people think um, that, that they'll talk to police. But actually the majority of people won't ever speak to police and so we get a lot of self um, self-referrals, people just finding us on the internet, doing a little bit of research, 
maybe they're going to watch this podcast. Maybe they're going to think, actually, do you know what? I'm going to talk to them. Um, Often they might not know what they want. Um, They might just want to tell somebody else, this is what's happened to me. Um, They might want to work through that with um, the team that Kerry works in and our fantastic team of counsellors. Or they might want to know, what does it look like if I talk to police? What will that be like? Will I get taken seriously? Will they believe me? Um, and so then, yeah, we'll we'll support them around that. Um, I think the important thing is, um, wherever somebody is in that journey, if they come to us, um, it's their choice. Those next steps are always about it being their choice. We're never going to um, say that you need to do something or that you should do something. Mm-hmm. So I think um, we're, we're very much advocates of empowering people and giving them the control over what, what happens to them. Yeah, There's a lot of stereotypes and myths around sexual violence and sexual abuse do you think and and potentially UK because obviously you do a lot of comms do do you focus a lot on sort of debunking those myths a little Mm -hmm. bit and and what what does that look like yeah definitely not only kind of from a comms perspective as well so we do we make sure that we are getting some of those myths and stereotypes out there and that we're we're putting the correct information out and making sure that people are aware of some of those things that are about but also in the training that we deliver. So we deliver a lot of training to police, to other agencies, so again, spreading that message. But what we often find is it's it's our clients that come through the door that are armed with their own kind of myths and stereotypes. Like they believe that this happened to them because they were drunk or this happened to them because of what they were wearing or this happened to them because of this, this, this and this. So a lot of our work, especially in the counselling room, is about kind of giving them that information as well and, and making sure that they know that absolutely this is not their fault, that what happened to them wasn't their fault and never is their fault that that blame lies absolutely with that person who chose mm. to do this to them and, and would you say that's the the biggest misconception the fact that that people come forward and think that they're to blame mm-hmm. for, for what's happened to them yeah. it, it makes sense as a person you know we, we try and make sense of situations so if we can't get the right answers if we can't if we don't have the right information we'll kind of come to our own conclusions and quite often we will blame ourselves because that makes sense well I was in that place or I did this or I didn't do this so that makes sense so like our work is just kind of unpacking all of that and trying to give that other perspective that actually you know this person did this because because they could you know they made the choice you didn't yeah how many people how many people do you help a year do you think yeah. um well yeah so last year as an organisation, we had um, just short of a thousand referrals, um, and we supported over fifteen hundred people. Um, so, quite a number. Um, at any one time in the criminal justice system, we're supporting around four hundred and twenty people at the moment. Right. Um, about a third of that will be children and young people under eighteen. Um, and in terms of counselling, um, you've been to our our building. I have, yeah. uh, uh, quite. It is it is a very calm and, and, and nice environment. We've got three quite small counselling rooms in there and we see about 100 people a week um, right. in that building. So, yeah. And and how have you found... So, so I suppose two questions, one that leads on into the other. You've been there 10 years, you've been there seven, Kerry. Have you seen a notable increase in people needing your support mm-hmm. and your services? Yeah. Uh, and what do you think is driving that? I think a number of different things, really. I think the fact that it is... Especially since everything came out around Jimmy Savile, so when the high-profile cases happen, I think that helps people come forward and speak. But I think the more we talk about it, the more we make it a little bit easier for people as well to come and talk about. You know, 
sexual abuse thrives in secrecy. You know, it's it's people don't often get they get told to not talk about it. So quite often, our survivors are silent. So the fact that if we talk about it, we make it more of a more known, more widely recognised. That when people do feel more comfortable, um, to talk about. But I think, I think just generally, I think the fact that it is getting more and more recognised. I think people are more starting to see that actually this does happen. This happens across different people, different cultures, different environments, you know, some of those myths and stereotypes that we talk about is the fact that, you know, sexual abuse doesn't doesn't happen in um, underprivileged areas, you know, it can happen in, in, in what's classed as kind of, you know... More affluence. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, the, the fact that there's been more and more recognised cases with people in power positions, and, you know, we know that sexual abuse, sexual violence happens with people who do have power over another person, you know, in a position of trust. So I think the fact that that is more and more coming out in the media... I think it's helping people to come forward. It's, like you said, it, it, it's a really um, prevalent topic. The the vulgar gender over the last mm-hmm. few years has really brought it to the fore. Um, what would your message be to anybody listening to this or watching this that's been affected by sexual violence? Yeah. What's the one thing you'd want to say to them? I think um, we've, we've done a lot of, of thinking about how we come across and how and how we can say that that we're a safe space and when we rebranded a couple of years ago um, we came up with our our strap line if you like and I think that says a lot about the message we want to give and that's about um, we believe so we believe you we care we care about what happens to you and we're with you and I think you know just at a very basic human level that's what we need to say to people um, if, you, if you if you pick the phone up to us or if you um, make that referral, we'll believe you. We care about what happens and we're going to work with you. And where can people find you online, Kerry? Um, via our website, so www.archtside.org. Um, we are on Facebook and Twitter um, as well. Um, but any questions, I always just say to people, just pick up the phone. You know, There's always someone there to, to talk to you and to talk to you about what your options are as well. You know, Sometimes people don't always like going on online. You know, we were joking earlier about the app with a car parking. Hate that. <laughs> I'd much rather pick up the phone and, and speak to someone. Um, and I think that's just recognizing that you know, on the other end of that mm. phone, there is just another human being who's who's going to be there for you. Yeah. And if I could just briefly say at the end, um, we're really pleased to be working as part of a national um, mm. contract, which is a twenty-four-seven support line for um, rape and, and sexual violence. So that is round the clock. Um, if you know, uh, you need to speak to somebody in the middle of the night. There is that twenty four seven free phone support line that's available. Um, Kerry, yeah. what's one thing somebody doesn't know about you? Um, but I did work at the John Smith Bar at Aintree during Grand National. Um, for mm. there you there best you I can do under under pressure. Under pressure. <laughs> under that's, pressure. that's cool. I'll give you that. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah. Thank you both ever so much. Um, like I said, I, I've been to Arch a number of times. You provide a brilliant service, an absolutely brilliant service, and it is needed, it is wanted, and I don't think it could be in better hands, quite frankly, from, from what I've seen. So thank you for coming today. Thank you for being open and honest in your conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been episode five of Coffee with the Commissioner. Thank you all for watching. You can find us now on Spotify, Apple and various other podcast download sites. 
um, which is new for us because up until last month you could only find us on YouTube. Um, so you can now get us on all great podcast platforms. So thank you very much and we'll see you all again soon. Thank you. Thanks.